Please do keep your Bibles open there on page 1064 as we continue our series in the Gospel of John. And what we're seeing this afternoon is Jesus begin to call people to him, call people to follow him and for people to have their lives shaped and formed by him. And I think this is a really important topic for us today to think about formation uh, not least because most of us here are followers of Jesus, we are Christians. Okay, what's it mean actually to be shaped and formed by Jesus? But perhaps more generally because we, you and I, we are constantly being uh, influenced by opinions and voices, advertisements that are coming at us all the time. Um, the way we fill our time actually has influences on us. I was reading this book um, called Restless Devices by Felicia Wu Song, and she describes the effect that our smartphones are having on us when we constantly turn to them to fill our time. She's not saying mobile phones in and of themselves are right, just when we're looking to them to fill our time. Just listen to what she says about what happens to our brains here. When our minds are preoccupied with something productive, and productive, she's meaning here, on our phones doing something, the areas of the brain that specialize in our capacities to process autobiographical memory, craft a coherent sense of self, and imagine how others are feeling, all of those things are muted in our brain. They are silenced. And so the more we demand our brains to attend to being productive, the less our brains are able to grow us as persons in key areas of identity construction and empathy. Now, it's quite a long quote. I have to admit, I had to read it a couple of times before I really understood it. But I think she is making a more profound point than Instagram's effect on the self-esteem of teenage girls or the danger of conspiracy theories on, on Facebook or the atomization of our time on TikTok. As serious as all these things are, she is saying that if we are always on in our life, so we're on, on work, but then we're coming into our downtime and our spare time, and we're quickly on our phones, and we're doom scrolling, and all the rest of it, we never give our brains the time to just pause and reflect and work out, like, what's going on in our lives? That's the point about autobiographical memory. Like, what's going on for us and who we are as, as human beings? And if we're always on and thinking about ourselves and what we're wanting, we are not then looking out for others, the empathy point. And so to put it really starkly, she's saying if we're using our phones like this to fill all our time, we're always on our phones, we're always being productive, it's actually our phones, our smartphones are forming and shaping us to be people who are more um, selfish, um, who are more um, insecure, don't know who we are, and more aimless. We don't have purpose and direction in our lives. And most of us aren't even aware of it. So as we come to this passage and we see Jesus calling people to himself and saying, look, let me form and shape your lives. Like, how does Jesus make a difference? And what I want us to do is I want us to see how Jesus meets each of these disciples. There are actually five disciples here, but only four are named. So there's Andrew, there's Peter, there's Philip, and there's Nathaniel. There's also an unnamed one with Andrew at the start. And let's see how Jesus calls each of them uniquely and says, look, come follow me, and we'll think about what that means for us today in our discipleship, in our walk with Jesus. Okay, so that's where we're going. So first of all, with Andrew. This is verses 35 to 39 on page 1064, and Jesus' invitation to him and this other unnamed disciple. So let me read verse 35 to us again. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples, and that's John the Baptist, not the author John. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, 
the Lamb of God. And we saw that last week, what it means for Jesus to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If you missed that, grab the sermon online. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. And turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And then Jesus replies, come and you will see. So do you hear this invitation from Jesus to these two disciples to come and to be with him and to spend time with him? Yeah, find out where I'm staying. Follow me. I'll be your rabbi. I'll shape and form your life. That word stay, where are you staying, is the same word that the author John will use later on in chapter 15 for abiding in Jesus, remaining in Jesus. It's a word that speaks of intimacy and closeness and relationship. And there's no hesitation in Jesus. Where are you staying? I want to be, yeah, you can come. Come with me, be with me. Right at the heart of Christianity, let's never forget this, is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Being with him, spending time with him. That is what it means to be formed and shaped by him. It is very easy in the Christian life to end up or only be doing things for God, which are good things, Coming along to church, serving at church, giving your money away to others, reading your Bible, praying, doing many, many good things um, for God. But are we actually spending time with him? And of course, if we're in our Bible, hopefully we're hearing his voice as we're in prayer, we are talking to him. But first and foremost, this is what it means to be shaped and formed by Jesus Christ. It's to be with him, spend time with him. You're growing and deepening in your relationship with him. Lord, I want to know you better. He said, come, come, and you will see. Um, notice also that before the invitation in verse 39, actually comes this question in verse 38 to the two disciples, what do you want? So they're like following behind because John the Baptist said, hey, look, there's the Lamb of God. Well, let's follow this person. And Jesus like turns around, what do you, what do you want then? which I think is fascinating because it's the first words out of Jesus' lips in the Gospel of John and like what would we expect from like the Son of God? I mean, is it going to be a, a command? You know, is it going to be a piece of doctrine? Is it going to be an instruction? And actually the first words from Jesus' lips is a question. What do you want? Now Jesus cares deeply about the desires of our hearts, our loves, our hopes, our fears, our desires, what truly shapes us. And immediately answers their question. They say, well, where are you staying? Come and you will see. And what are the questions in your heart right now? I don't know. Some of you might be looking into Christian things. You want, I want, meaning, and purpose. Do you want meaning and purpose to your lives? Do you want to know who you really are? Do you want to grow in love and concern for others? And Jesus says, come. Let me show you. Follow me. You will see. So whatever it is we are seeking, whatever the deepest desires of our hearts, don't think that Jesus is against them. Ultimately, all desire will come from a good thing which finds its fulfillment in Jesus Christ and in relationship with him. So here then is an invitation to us all, whether we call ourselves Christian here this afternoon or not, simply to get to know Jesus better. And perhaps you've never had the chance to really look into the Bible get to know who he is, religious, different religious background, which doesn't know Jesus, maybe a secularist background, 
never had the opportunity to really get to know him and you're curious. You want to find out more. What do you want? I want to get to know you, Jesus. I want, come, come and you'll see. Let me encourage you to do that. So that's the first thing to see from these verses. Jesus' invitation to Andrew. The second thing to see is his promise to Peter in verses 40 to 42. So let me read those ones to you. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. That is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. And we can see from the footnote there that the word Peter there, the name Peter, means rock. So here is the second interaction between Jesus and calling disciples to him. And do you notice how already it's a different interaction? Right? The way he's, he, he's with Peter, he doesn't ask the question, what do you want? He doesn't give him the invitation, come and you will see. Instead, he gives him this promise, presumably because that's exactly what Peter needed to hear. This promise of what Jesus Christ will make of him in his life, signified by this name chain. You'll be a rock. And it's unclear at this point in the gospel whether this is to do with his character, that you will be where Peter quite famously denies Jesus three times at his arrest, but then becomes strong and immovable and faithful and dependable, you know, like a rock, or whether this is more about um, Peter's future role in the church, that on this rock, you know, I will build my church. We don't know for sure. But either way, the point is Jesus shapes and forms his disciples for the better, be it in character formation, be it in missional, vocational formation. Jesus knows what's best for his disciples, promises what's best for his disciples, and then makes sure to bring it about in their lives. You can trust Jesus with your life. Who am I going to be formed and shaped by? My parents, my teachers, my friend, Jesus. He knows best for us. Noticed also how Peter came to receive this promise from Jesus. It was through his brother, Andrew, introducing him that we find the Messiah, like, come and see for yourself. I think often, you know, one of the most effective forms of Christian witness is simply friend with friend, sibling with sibling, you know, someone who is close to us, who we say, hey, look, come and see who Jesus is for yourself. Um, you know, that's how I became a Christian at university. He was actually a friend doing the same course as me, introduced me to him. I know for most of you here, if I asked you, how did you become a Christian? Be a, a parent, a friend, a sibling, colleague, telling you about the Lord Jesus. The most effective form. Which sibling do you have in your life? Which friend, which colleague may Jesus be saying, hey, why don't you introduce them to Jesus too? And what's so striking about Andrew is he's only spent a day with Jesus. So he can't have him all worked out yet. You know, often I think we hold back in sharing our faith. We think, I've got to know Jesus inside out and know what, know what it's all about. But it's not the, we don't, you don't have to know someone inside out before you introduce them to someone else. We do that with our friends all the time. It's just the same with Jesus. If you're new to the Christian faith, don't hold back on sharing him. It's great. Look who he is. Look what he's done for me. He can do it to you too. It's love for you. It's transforming power in your life. Share away. Notice also that it is the first thing that Andrew does in verse 41. 
to go find his brother and tell him we have found the Messiah. And I wonder if that perhaps can be a challenge for those of us here who have been followers of Jesus for quite a while now. But perhaps that sort of zealousness of, of the new convert has, has just worn down over time. Um, perhaps because we have been overly influenced by the social etiquette of being told to keep our faith private. Perhaps you've had a few knockbacks in trying to share your faith. And you think, oh my goodness, I, you know, I better be careful a bit more or now. Or I don't want to have that sort of response. Maybe you've seen some Christian colleagues try and share their faith in the workplace. It's not gone well for them and you're wondering about the cost. So these are all understandable reasons. But I wonder if this is a really helpful reminder to us as we see like Andrew's excitement there to tell his brother, you know, we found the Messiah, we found the one we all need. It's the word made flesh. It's God incarnate. It's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the one who loves us like no one else. Like, come, come find him. Do you remember something of that excitement when you first met Jesus? And you knew this is what he had done for you. And perhaps getting in touch with that again, recognizing just what good news Jesus is to us. You share good news. You don't need me to say, go, go tell others. It comes from that excitement, enthusiasm of who Jesus is and what he is for us that will motivate you to go out and share him with others. So that's the second thing to see from these verses, the promise to Peter. Third thing, in verses 43 to 46, we see Jesus' search for Philip. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, do you notice the change of movement here in this third interaction? Because in the first two, this was people coming to Jesus. The first two disciples follow him, what do you want? You know, or, or Peter being brought to Jesus. But now in this third interaction, we have Jesus going out to search for and find Philip. And then say, follow me. Change of movement here. Why is that? Now, I want to be careful here not to read too much like, into the text but that's not there. But, but do we have a clue in verse 44 that Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida? They were from the same town. So why didn't Andrew bring Philip along with him as well, with Peter? Is it that, you know, Philip was a more quiet person, more shy person, more reserved, an introvert? Was he the sort of person that, who is tend to be forgotten about? I don't know. As I say, don't want to read too much into it, but what is absolutely clear and what we can be certain of is that Jesus Christ did not forget about Philip. He knew he was there. He went out to search for him, to find him, and to say, follow me. And so you can have absolute confidence today that Jesus is interested in you and is calling you to follow him as well. I was speaking to someone just the other day who said, very openly and honestly, they said, Mark, I really, deep down, don't believe that God would truly be interested in me. We didn't get a chance to get into that. It was just one of those throwaway comments. But if there is anyone here who thinks or feels differently, perhaps because of your life, own life experience, perhaps you were the neglected child in the family, um, perhaps you are the person in the office, a colleague, you know, the one no one talks to, and perhaps you are the one who is often forgotten about in your social circles. Jesus Christ never treats any of his disciples like that. He knows each of them 
individually, personally, and calls them to himself. Follow me. You can be absolutely sure that Jesus Christ is interested in you. We'll never forget about you. Whether we're extroverts, introverts, quiet or loud, shy or confident, Jesus says, follow me. Notice again, like we saw with Andrew, the first thing Philip does is go tell someone else. In this instant, his friend Nathaniel. We found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. The law and the prophets, by the way, if you don't know, is a shorthand way of saying all of the Old Testament. So the law is the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And then you've got the prophets, which go Joshua through to Malachi. And Philip is saying, my goodness, we found the one which the whole of the Old Testament pointed forward to. All those promises in the past of a king who would come, who could lead us, a prophet who would speak the perfect truth of God, a priest who would reconcile us with God, intercede for us. It's Jesus. He is the perfect prophet, priest, and king. You think of the law, you think of the sacrificial system, you think of the temple. It's all fulfilled in him, his perfect life, his sacrificial death, his resurrection from the grave. This new age we are looking forward to, people's lives transformed, obedient hearts, renewed world. It's Jesus, his spirit, his second coming. We have found him. The one every human being needs. Come and see for yourself. I wonder if we sometimes overcomplicate our evangelism, thinking that we need to be incredibly articulate expositors of every aspect of the Christian faith, to be apologetically savvy, to float B doctrines on top of A doctrines in a cleverly contextualized way. And yet what we see here with Philip is he just wants to introduce his friend to Jesus. He's had this profound effect on him and he wants to share it with others, that they may have their lives transformed by him too. And this friend, by the way, is, is skeptical at first. I hope you take encouragement from that, right? Can anything good come from Nazareth? No, he's a skeptic. And what, and what does Philip say? Come and see. He uses the same words that Jesus uses with Andrew. That's all we're doing in our Christian witness. I know we can feel so nervous about it. Come, in, come and see. Perhaps come to church and see. Perhaps, hey, let's look at the Bible together. Come and see. Let, let's see who Jesus really claims to be. The very one we are made for. The very one we need. The one who shapes and forms us into the people we long to be. Come and see. Okay, so that brings us on finally to Nathaniel in verses 47 to 51. And what we see here is Jesus' intimate knowledge of Nathanael and where it transforms him. So verse 47, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. So clearly Nathaniel is really taken aback by what Jesus has said here. You know, how do you know me? This intimate knowledge that Jesus has of him. We don't know exactly what's playing out here for Nathaniel, but it must be pretty extraordinary 
because he goes from skeptic, you know, can anything good come from Nazareth, suddenly to this profession of, of faith in Christ as the Son of God and the King of Israel. It's intimate knowledge of Nathaniel that transforms his belief in who Jesus is. And it's not like he's got it all worked out now, but he's wanting to start the journey, start following Christ, wanting to get to know him more. And he gets a sense, yes, you are the Messiah, you are the King of Israel. And I want to encourage us that even though Jesus Christ is not face to face with us like he is with his disciples here, that doesn't mean his knowledge of us is any less intimate. I was chatting to an elderly lady in the church family just last week who said she was out and about shopping and she got in some pretty serious health difficulties and she didn't know what to do. And just then, it just so happened, she bumped into another shopper that she didn't know who was a geriatric nurse who had experience like, in the medical field, particularly for that person, for, for this elderly woman. And afterwards, she said, Mark, I couldn't believe it because it felt like God knew not just exactly what was going on in my life right then, but exactly what I needed and then provided it for me. And I can tell you, it has really strengthened my trust and faith in God. Uh, Chad and the campus outreach team, they've been hoping to connect with the student accommodation blocks um, around the parish. And there's six of them. Just so they could say, look, we're here to meet students, to get them settled in as the university term starts. But they're like, how oh my goodness, do we get through into these um, accommodation blocks? So they just decided one day to, to choose one and go there. And would you believe it? The very accommodation block that they chose had the general manager in it. She's not normally at that block. She just happened to be there the very moment they arrived. They had a really good conversation um, with her. Not only did she say, hey, this is how to get into the other accommodation blocks and you've got my permission to do it, but would you like to come on Saturday to the moving in day? You can meet the students for yourself. <laughs> and Chad was like saying to me afterwards, like, <laughs> we're just blown away. Because God knew exactly like where we're going, where to lead us, what we needed, open the door and away we go. Have you ever been reading your Bible in the morning and what comes up seems to be so relevant to what's then going to happen later on in your day. Sometimes you yourselves have come up to me after a sermon and said, oh my goodness, it felt like God was like speaking directly to me, that thing, and I don't have no idea what it is, and like that illustration of that point, that like, just was just what I needed. Because of Jesus's intimate knowledge of you. He knows you better than anyone else. And you can trust him to shape and form your life like no other. And here's the thing. What we're seeing here is only chapter one of the gospel. And Jesus basically says, you have not seen anything yet. He says to Nathaniel in verses 50 to 51, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. Very truly I tell you, this is really important, verily truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is a reference to Genesis 28. This is Jacob's ladder. You might want to look it up later. We don't have time to go into the detail now. Jesus is saying, you ain't seen nothing yet. You believe now? Wait till you see what's coming. This is chapter one. We've got 20 more chapters to go. Wait until you see who I really am the Son of Man, the one with all authority over all people for all time, the way I open up heaven, 
the way I'm going to restore humanity's relationship with God, the way I call people to myself and transform them from the inside out by the power of my spirit. And I make them more secure, selfless people who know who they are and know their role in this world. Just you wait and see. This is true for every disciple of Jesus Christ. So let's bring this all together. Here is a call from Jesus to all of us to follow him and to have our lives shaped first and foremost by him. This is going to be difficult. We live in a predominantly secular culture and a secular culture by definition will try and shape and form you to live your life without God and without the supernatural. It's not going to be easy. But the more we spend time with Jesus day by day, the more we let our lives be shaped and formed by him and his teaching and his life and his death for us and his resurrection, the easier and easier this will become. And we'll be the people that we long to be, the people God always intended us to be. So the next time you're tempted in your spare time and your free time to grab your phone and fill your time with that, why not instead try and fill it with the Lord Jesus? And say, the Lord, what's going on in my life right now? Help me to understand what's going on for me. Help me to understand myself better. Help me not to get bogged down in, in just myself, but to look out to others and to love and to serve others. Because that's where real transformation is going to come. For us, this church, this community, this parish, this city. So let me pray that for us now. Let's pray. Father God, we thank and praise you for all that you are showing us through this first chapter of John, we're still in the first chapter, and as we see Jesus call these five disciples to himself, the way he works uniquely with each of them, knows them intimately and personally, just what they need to hear, asks them questions, makes them promises for the future. As we put that all together, would that please give us great confidence that you know each of us intimately and personally just what we need you are speaking to us you are calling out to us to follow you and so father amidst all the voices all the opinions they're crying out to us please would we hear jesus's voice first and foremost and be shaped and formed by him into the people you long for us to be unite us together as a church family send us out to share jesus christ with others and those that you've put in our lives. And we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.